Good morning, everyone. Welcome to worship. Let me go through a few announcements before we get into our worship service. Um, the first is that we are grateful to have Pastor Larry Mills with us this morning to give us the morning message. Uh, Larry has been with the PCA for 50 years, I believe, since the beginning. Uh, he was one of the uh, beginning members of the PCA and uh, has seen so many things that God has done in this denomination. We're grateful to have him again this morning. Um, secondly, the youth are meeting tonight after the evening service in the Family Life Building, and we're thankful to the Coleman's for providing that meal. And lastly, we are having our last Wednesday night Family Fellowship Life Night this Wednesday. And we're having it at Market Cafe. Uh, the reason is because uh, we haven't been all together yet as a church body because of the repairs going on in the Family Life Building. And we thought that being together in one room for at least one night would be um, a time of great fellowship and joy. And uh, there also might be rain. So we invite you to come. 6 p.m. Market Cafe for this time of fellowship. And uh, that will be our last Wednesday night before we break for this summer. There is also information about an event for our kids that you, you can put on your calendar. And we're looking forward to that. Let's take a few moments now as we are gathered here to worship God, to ask God to help us to worship him in spirit and in truth. We'll do that now.
Would you please stand for our call to worship from Psalm 113. God's call to you, praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Uh, We are here to praise the Lord, so would would you do that with me? We'll sing hymn 173, which is him, praise him. Let's sing hymn 173. God, all power and glory is due your name. Lord, we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to be with us this morning to fill us, to fill this place with your praise. So without your spirit, we would be unable to worship you. And you have called us here this morning to worship you, whether we are in the depths or whether we are on the mountaintops of joy. You have called us to worship you and honor you, and we will do that by your power. So Holy Spirit, be glorified and magnified this morning as we worship you by your power. Would you lead us now in the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples how to pray? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. It is my privilege today to bring the attention of the congregation to two resolutions of this church's session. This morning we are here to read these resolutions in honor of Mr. Charlie McCool and Dr. Glenn Peters. Whereas after faithfully serving the Lord in the Methodist Church and Covenant Presbyterian Church, 
Charlie McCool joined the First Presbyterian Church October the 28th, 1990. And whereas Charlie's abundant faith and continued love and interest in the work of the church led him to be ordained and installed as a deacon on December the 15th, 1991, and to be ordained and installed as a ruling elder on March the 26, 2000, and whereas Charlie served on many church committees, including Christian education, outreach, discipleship, and twice on pulpit committees, and whereas Charlie for many years taught the adult and children's Sunday school classes, and whereas Charlie and his wife, Beth, faithfully raised their two covenant children, Joey McCool and Kara Wolf, in the church, and whereas Charlie McCool has requested to be released from the active duties of the Office of Ruling Elder and was granted the status of Elder Emeritus by the session of First Presbyterian Church on January the 9th, 2023, and it is hereby resolved that the session of the First Presbyterian Church commend our brother Charlie McCool for his faithful service to First Presbyterian Church as a member for over 32 years and for his committed service as an elder for 22 years. Be it further resolved that the session extend to Charlie and Beth our thanks for their servant's heart and commitment to Christ's work. And be it further resolved that pursuant to BCO 24-10, Charlie McCool is designated as Elder Emeritus of First Presbyterian Church in Louisville, Mississippi. He shall no longer be required to perform the regular duties of his office, but may continue to perform certain of these duties on a voluntary basis if requested by the session or a higher court. He may also attend session meetings if he so desires and may fully participate in the dis full discussion of any issues as a non-voting member. Be it further resolved that this resolution be publicly read and presented to Elder Emeritus Charlie McCool during a regular morning worship service of the First Presbyterian Church, so resolved on this, the seventh day of May, 2023. And also give your attention to the second resolution, whereas James Glenn Peters, moving to Winston County, shortly thereafter joined the First Presbyterian Church on October 3rd, 1982. And whereas Glenn and his family have actively participated in the worship services and activities of First Presbyterian Church, and whereas Glenn was ordained and installed as a deacon on December the 16th, 1984, and ordained and installed as a ruling elder on March the 26th, 2000, and whereas Glenn served on a member number of church committees, including missions, Christian education services, and fellowship, and whereas Glenn has previously taught the adult Sunday school class and the children's Wednesday evening class and also served for several years as church treasurer, and whereas Glenn and his wife Nancy faithfully raised four covenant children in the church, Pam Bixler, Judy Rogers, Carrie Kaiser, and Jim Peters, and whereas Glenn Peters has requested that he be released from the active duties of the Office of Ruling Elder and was granted the status of Elder Emeritus by the Session of First Presbyterian Church on January the 9th, 2023, and it is hereby resolved that the Session of First Presbyterian Church commend our brother Glenn Peters for his faithful service to First Presbyterian Church as a member for 40 years and for his committed service as an elder for 22 years. Be it further resolved that the session extend to Glenn Peters and his wife, Nancy, our thanks for their con contribution to the work of First Presbyterian Church and to the advancement of the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. And be it further resolved that pursuant to BCO 24-10, Glenn Peters is designated as Elder Emeritus of First Presbyterian Church in Louisville, Mississippi. He shall no longer be required to perform the regular duties of his office, but may continue to perform certain of these duties on a voluntary basis, if requested by the session or a higher court. He may also attend session meetings, if he so desires, and may participate fully in the discussion of any issues as a non-voting member. Be it further resolved that this resolution be publicly read and presented 
to Elder Emeritus Glenn Peters during a regular morning worship service of First Presbyterian Church, so resolved on this day, the 7th of May, 2023. If you would, Glenn, come and receive. Be sure I hand this out, and I'll get Charlie his when I get up into, if he'll pass this down to Charlie. Thank you all so much. We have some time to pray together as a church body, and I would invite you to um, bow your heads and close your eyes as I lead us in prayer. Let's go before the throne of grace. God, you are to be praised and worshipped above all other things. Your name is to be lifted up above all other names. And Lord, as another school year comes to a close and transition and change is the place we find ourselves, we take great comfort knowing that you remain as faithful to us today as you did a year ago, and you will remain faithful to us. You don't grow tired. You don't grow impatient. You exist eternally in perfect unity and harmony, and all of your decisions are perfect. Nothing that comes to be is a surprise to you. And Lord, knowing all of this, we still fool ourselves into thinking that our sins are hidden from you, or that you're tired of us coming to you for forgiveness and restoration. And Father, we pray that you would help us to know that your main purpose in us is not to make us wealthy or successful, smart or popular. It's to make us holy like you. Lord Jesus, you went to the cross for our sin and the punishment that we deserved you took on yourself to clear our name and to give us your perfect righteousness. Thank you, God, for sending us the Holy Spirit to awaken our hearts and our minds to sin and to the overwhelming grace and love of Jesus Christ. God, it is with this that we come before you in worship, and with these things in mind, we our supplication to you, our request to you, God, we are excited for the Cross family um, to be a regular presence in this church, in this community. We pray that you would miraculously provide a home for them that they would enjoy and love and would be a perfect fit for their family. Would you make that happen quickly for them? Lord, we pray for our session. We are asking for your guidance and your wisdom as they meet together tomorrow night to discuss uh, your business in this church, the ministries of this church. Lord, we need your wisdom as elders, and we ask for it in great measure. God, we give great thanks for Elder Charlie and Elder Glenn as they have served faithfully for so many years. Lord, would you use this small uh, token, these framed... Uh, printouts as just a sign to point them to your faithfulness to them and how you have worked through them to bless this church and serve this church um, through your spirit. God, would you continue to raise up godly leaders for this church and would you continue to bless it? We pray also for uh, the women who are uh, carrying children now and are close to uh, giving birth. God, would you provide great uh, comfort and safety? Would you provide um, wonderful medical care and uh, be with them in these few weeks that are left as they struggle through the final stages uh, of pregnancy? God, we are so grateful to be gathered to worship you this morning, to hear the gospel again and to receive it. So would you help us receive it by faith? Would you transform us by faith in you 
and lead us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.
Please pray with me. God, we give you our tithes and offerings as uh, in faith that you would take them and that you would use them for your glory and for your honor in this church, for the needs of its members, for the needs of our ministries, and also for this community, for those who are in need, both physically, spiritually, mentally. God, you are at work uh, doing so many things through this church, and we worship you because of that. We are so grateful to the work that you're able to do through people like us and through the small amount that we're able to give. So, Lord, would you, again, multiply it for your glory and for the work that you are doing here and across the world. We thank you for this time to give. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would remain standing, we'll sing hymn number 75, which is, O Father, You Are Sovereign. Let's sing hymn 75. May be seated. You know, I think we could say amen and be dismissed because our choir was absolutely phenomenal. And uh, I just wanted to say amen, brothers. Let's go home. Uh, but you're not so lucky. <laughs> it is a great pleasure to be with you again. The last time I was here was Christmas morning. And uh, I still remember that service in the full house and how well you sang that day and what a blessing it is to be invited back. And I met your incoming pastor this week. I'm not a member of Mississippi Valley Presbytery. I'm a member of Grace Presbytery. But I went to the meeting on purpose so that I could meet him and, and uh, be praying for y'all as you have a new, new person on the block coming in. And so, but it's a blessing for me to be with you today. Uh, I'm not sure how many times I've been with you, uh, but I've 
been blessed every time by you all. And uh, but it's a blessing for me to be with you today. Uh, and I'm going to be talking about God's perspective today in terms of where we are and what faces us and God's solution for whatever is before us. And our scripture reading is from Romans 8, very familiar passage to you beginning in verse 28 and reading to the end of the chapter. Romans 8:28. this is God's holy and inspired word. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become sons, be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And whom he predestined, these he also called. And whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Just as it is written, For thy sake we are being put to death all the day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. May God add his own blessing to the reading and hearing of this, his holy word. Is there anything in all of creation that causes you to sometimes just wonder what in the world is going on in this world? It seems to be turned upside down, no control, nothing happening that's worthwhile or good. Some of us have lived, you know, beyond a four score and 80 years, four score and 20 years, and so we've seen a lot happen in our lifetime. I think I've told you one time before that I recall seeing FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt's body, as it was opening a boxcar coming through my hometown in North Carolina after he had died in Georgia. In fact, I saw it twice. My dad made sure we wanted to see that coffin and that body of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. So we saw it one time, then he said, get in the car, we'll go to another place. So we saw it twice. <laughs> I don't know why that's made an impression on me, but it has. I, I can still vividly see that scene. Those soldiers, that open casket. And it made an impression on me. It made an impression on me that, you know, people think we're going to live forever, but we don't. Well, we do live forever if you're in Christ. But the things of this earth pass away. It goes away. Sometimes things get so confused in our life that I'm sort of like the guy who put on his, he used to have in his, in, on his desk two boxes in and out. And then he got so frustrated, he put, on, he put four boxes on his desk. Urgent, frantic, overdue, forget it. <laughs> and sometimes I'm like that with things that come into my life. I just want to forget it. But I see life as it is. How God has worked in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. I, I see that our God is a God of grace, a God of love, and a God that knows me and has called me from death to life and called me to be in him, a new creation in Christ Jesus, that I might be a light unto the world and he might be, his light might shine through me, that people might not see me but see Christ in me, the hope of glory. And I hope that that's true of your life. 
when people look at you, they might see Christ in you, your hope of glory, and know the reality of what it is to be in Christ. We want to see today two things, primarily two things from God's perspective. God's perspective and then how that affects us in each and every day of life. One of the greatest Bible passages on the proper perspective is that life is in Romans 8, 28 through 38, which we've just read. And the reason this passage is so great is that it looks at life and it goes from God's perspective, how God views you, how God views life, how God is absolutely in control of everything, and the love that God has bestowed upon us who are unlovable. We don't deserve it, but God loves us with an everlasting love. And he's made sure that we know that he's in control of everything that transpires in this life. He wants us to see life not from our perspective, from our limited view, but from his perspective. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. We know, though we may not sense it in our being in our experiences, that God works for the good of all those who love him. Nothing is apart from that. Nothing. You go through life and you see how God works. On Thursday of this week, I was 140 miles south of Jackson, which makes that 200 and something miles from here, the other side of the state down southwest Mississippi, a little town called Centerville, to take part in a funeral service of a dear lady that I've known for a a long time, well, since 1965. She was the secretary of the Baptist church, was right next to the Presbyterian church. And I met her one day in the emergency room at the hospital, which was right across the street from both of our churches. We were side by side. And this dear lady gone through a life of heartache. In her last, say, 10 years of her life, it was just a heartache. All types of things that she was in a wheelchair and just couldn't live. But, but one thing was clear about Kay was that she loved God with everything that she had. And she wanted to make sure that all those around her knew Jesus Christ as her personal Lord and Savior. And that's what Paul is saying here. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. There are many things that we do not know, but we do know that God is at work in every circumstance in our life. God is meshing everything together in our life like a giant puzzle. This doesn't mean that everything is good in itself. A lot of things aren't good in itself. A lot of things we say, we say, I wish I could take that back. A lot of things we do, I, we say, I wish I had never done that. A lot of things we think, and we say, boy, what, where did that come from? Devil, get away from me. Where do we think it came from? But God is causing all things to work together for good to them that love him. I read a story of a man who had a, a really fancy antique shop. He liked to collect tapestries. And so he had, it was a two-story, had a balcony like you have here in the church. And so one day he called his best friend. He says, I want you to come by the store today and see something that I just purchased. I want you to look at it and see how valuable it is. And so he came and to honor his friend, he showed up at the store. And, and he walked in. And he said, where is it? And he says, look up, look up. And he looked up and he saw hanging down from the balcony this tapestry. And he looked at it again. He looked over this way at it. He looked this way at it. He got down and looked at it. He says, you mean to tell me you spent money for that thing? It's the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. And he was afraid he was going to hurt his friend's feelings. He says, oh, I, you express what you think, but follow me. Follow me. Went up the steps and got over the top of the tapestry. And he says, now look down at it. And he looked down. His mouth flew open. He gasped. He had never seen anything so beautiful in his life. It was absolutely fantastic. That's the way life is for you. The way life is from us. We look at it from this perspective on earth. And sometimes we've got all types of hurts. 
and anguishes and disappointments. In one way or another, they come all around us. That's the human perspective. But then we see it from God's perspective. And God causes all things, good, bad, indifferent, to work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. That's sort of the same thing that James talks about in James 1. Count it all joy, my brother, when you fall into various trials and tribulations. For God is using that to work perfection in your life. God's perspective is so different from the human perspective. Are you aware of the amazing inclusiveness of this verse? All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. You you notice the inclusiveness of it. There's nothing exempt. Nothing. God's in control. Paul said that all things work together, including the trials mentioned in verses 35 and 36. It doesn't say some or many or no, but all. The problem we face is not, does not signify that God has forsaken us. There are not accidents apart from God's plan. There are incidents that are part of his plan. One time there was a cowboy who lived on a ranch. And he saw everything that was happening around him. He thought, well, I better get some insurance. They called an insurance man to come out and, and uh, write up insurance for him. So the insurance man came out and started asking questions. He said, you ever had any accidents here? He said, no, not a one. You mean you've been working here all these years and you've never had an accident? He said, well, no, you've never been hurt. Oh, oh no, that's not what I said. Are you saying that you have never had been hurt on this ranch? He said, oh, no, that's not, that's not what I'm referring the party thought a minute, and then he said, well, a couple of years ago, a bronco kicked me in the ribs real bad, and I hurt. And a couple of years ago, a rattlesnake bit me on the, the, on the ankle, and I'll tell you something, that really hurt. And the insurance agent looked him right square in the eye and says, you mean to tell me you've never had an accident? He says, no, they both did it on purpose. <laughs> well, everything that happens in your life, Good, bad, indifferent. It's for a purpose. For we're his workmanship. God is working in your life and in my life to conform us more to the name of Jesus Christ. In God's plan, things are not accidents. They are on purpose. God, for whom is this true? It is for all those who love him. The human side, those who are called. The godly side, converted side, according to his purpose, the divine side. Another story I tell you. James Thornwell was completing a painting in St. Paul's Cathedral in London. He was high on a scaffolding with an assistant working with him to hand in the brushes and oils. As Thornhill stopped back on one occasion to get a better look of the painting, the, his assistant saw that if he took one step further back, he'd fall to his death. So he's contemplating his mind, should I shout out, you're in danger? He thought, no, that might frighten him. He'll step back. So what did he do? He took a big paintbrush and just swapped across that beautiful painting. And Thornwell came, what in the world are you doing? You've ruined that painting we've been working on for months. And he gently said, turn around. You were that close to death. And so Denny thanked him. So often we are that close to death before God brings something to our life to turn us around. To see his hand at work in our life. That's God's perspective on you. He loved you with an everlasting love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loves you that much. That he cares for you. Every little step that you take. But we must not overlook verses 39, 29, and 30 when studying verse 28. These two verses take, up, take us from eternity past into the eternity future. For whom he did foreknow, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. To foreknowledge means that God had regard for us 
and made a loving choice of us before we ever knew it. Whom God predestined, God called, he predestined. He called, he predestined. He says, you're going to be mine. God, keep this in mind. When you talk about how God has chosen us, we believe in the sovereignty of God. All the scripture talks about it. Apart from him, we can do nothing. We live, move, and have our being in him. The word predestined means to determine the end result beforehand. And that was the end result is that we would be conformed to Christ's image. We, would, we are not just saved by him. We'll be conformed to him. God is not just satisfied that we be like Christ in some superficial way, but that we be, have a genuine likeness and shape in all aspects of our life, every aspect of our life, so that we can say without reservation, Without any hesitation. If you're a believer in Christ. We can say for me to live is Christ. And what? For me to die is gain. For the believer to be absent from the body is what? To be present with the Lord. What did scripture say? Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of one of his saints. How precious it is. That we're called by him. Before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and without blame before him. In love. Verse 30 speaks of the steps by which this takes place. Whom he did predestinate, them he also called. God takes the initiative in the regenerating and convicting work of the Holy Spirit. Whom he called, them he also justified, pronounced free from guilt, and declared righteous by um, imputing Christ's righteousness. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. He also glorified. So it reminds me of a little boy who was... was uh, he, he, his mother said, teaching him the Lord's Prayer. And she said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And so would you repeat it that for me? Oh, our Father in heaven, who hollered my name. He got it. We're Southerners. We know what it means to be hollered at. And that's what God does to all of his children. Our Father in heaven, who hollered my name. Hallowed be thy name, but who hollered my name. We are called in him. He does the initiative. God takes initiative in regenerating and convicting by his Holy Spirit. Whom he called, them he also justified, pronounced free from guilt. We're his. God honored, God glorified, God's there. The steps of sanctification is not mentioned in this verse, for it is considered a part of glorification. We often think about sanctification as this long process of work and being careful of everything you can say and do and where you go and what you think, what you eat sometimes even. So sometimes some of us, uh, sometimes I can't, I'm having a hard time buttoning my shirt. Sometimes we let it go different ways. But it's not that at all. Notice that the word glorified is in the past tense. Whom he glorified, past tense. God looks from and through the lenses of eternity. To us these things are steps in time to guard to God. They're already as completed. Your sanctification is your glorification. It's already completed in him. We have life and life eternal. God's perspective is that. We're in him before the foundation of the world. And then God's provision. Verse 31, Paul says, what shall, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? The idea is that no one can successfully. No one. Stand firm in him. You know, sometimes that choir today was, didn't you think it was beautiful? Man, I, I was ready to say, amen, brother, let's go home. But amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saves a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was lost, but now I'm found. It does not matter who is against us because God is for us, and he is greater than all. Some men may try to oppose us, but they will be unsuccessful. Why? 
because there's no change in God's provision. Verse 33, there is no charge against God's people. There is no separation from God's power. First, God's provision was his own son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave him that we might have life and life eternal. Secondly, there is no charge against God's people because God has justified us. If someone could indict us, what would that do to the work of God in justification? They can't. Neither can we be condemned because Jesus Christ declared us not guilty because his blood was shed for us. For shed for us. He gave his life that we might have life and life eternal through him. Folks, that's important. Important. You young people will think, you know, that's just for the old folks. I got a life to live. The lady I mentioned earlier in the funeral that I was part of this week, I told you I met her first time in the emergency room at Field Memorial Hospital in Central Mississippi. We were both there to visit the family of a young man, young teen, who had just been struck by a vehicle on the main street in Centerville and killed him. They didn't anticipate it. He had a whole life to live. But folks, let me tell you something. The life that we live, we live by faith. In the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. That's our hope. That's our future. Our days are in his hands. We don't know how long they're going to be. Whether it's today, tomorrow, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 50 years from now, 80 years from now. We don't know. I'll come back and see you in 80 years and see who's still here. Okay? You know, make a pact with me to do that. <laughs> Invite me back in 80 years and we'll see how many are still here. For me to live as Christ. To die as gain. Secondly, there is no charge against God's people. Because God has justified us. Third, there's no separation of us from God. We cannot be pulled away from that love. Unbelievers may see us having problems. They think that God has withdrawn himself, his love from us. We may even agree with that sometimes. But that's not true. God is always there. Paul lists even circumstances, the first of which he himself has endured, that would be not separated as believers from God's love. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? In verse 37, he answers with a screaming, Nothing. No. Nay. Nay, kids, that's a word for no in the old English. Even the sword, a picture of express in verse 30 of sheep being slaughtered cannot separate us from that love of God. It's a matter of God, God, God in control. And God knows you inside and out. Nothing hidden. God's love for me to live as Christ. I said it earlier, to die as gain. In the final two verses of this chapter, Paul bursts into a victorious crescendo and he lists ten things they cannot possibly separate us from God's love. Death cannot separate us because we will be within the presence of God. Life does not separate us because Christ is living within us. Angels will not separate us because they are ministering spirits. Principalities or powers, demons or perhaps even human governments cannot separate us from Christ because Christ is greater than any of it. Things present, the hardships of the day or things to come, the uncertainties of the future cannot separate us from God. Not even height nor depth separate us. Nothing overhead can come bursting down on us and suddenly nothing hidden can come springing up to destroy us. He completes by saying, no, any creature. This is absolutely the truth of God's holy word. Nothing Nothing, God's perspective, if you're in him, Christ in you, the hope of glory, nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. These 12 verses are a treasure, tremendous shout of triumph for the believer. What an exclamation point from God's point of view of who you are. 
We're more than conquerors of him who loved us, for nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The love, the love of God, God's perspective, the human perspective. We, not, we see things through a glass darkly, but then face to face, we shall see him as he is. We'll be transformed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. This mortal must put on immortality. And we'll be changed. God's provisions. There is no charge against God's people. There is no separation from God's love. Rejoice in all these things as you face circumstances in your life day by day, each day of your life, that you see him in his great love, in his great mercy. Thank you so much for allowing me to share God's word with you you today. This is very precious to me. For me to live is Christ. And if I die, I'm transformed into glory. And keep keep in mind, our Father who art in heaven, who hollered my name. God is great. God is gracious. And nothing in all of creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let us pray. Our gracious God and heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for this church. We thank you for this, your people that's gathered here. We pray, Father, you would bring comfort and strength to each life each and every day. That all that they see in life each day might be conformed, that they might be more conformed to the image of Christ. Given an assurance of your presence with them this day and the coming days, in all aspects of life they might see your hand at work in their life, knowing that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we thank you, Lord, for this day and for your benefit to us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're standing and conclude our service. 730, I think, if I remember correctly. And this is the benediction. I'll have a benediction after this too. 730, let us stand and sing. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be all both now and forevermore. Amen.